Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian and Jason, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Let's get started. Hey, Brian. I think this might be a short show this week. Nothing really interesting happened on the internet. No, not a damn thing. Nothing happened in the world either. No, it's been just a bit nice and quiet. <laughs> All right. Well, fuck it. Nice talking to okay. you, man. Yep. Yeah, see you next week. Okay. <laughs> Oh man! So yes, crazy week, crazy week indeed. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a week. Um, <laughs> I found myself angry every single night for something or other that was going on in the world. Uh, I was all fired up to like have a really like super angry, massive. I'm gonna yell and scream about things show today, and uh, then I woke up this morning and I had a runny nose and a sore throat, and I'm tired. So the the mind <laughs> the mind is angry, but the body is is falling apart. Oh. <laughs> Sorry about that, man. That's all right. <laughs> well, I was I was quite angry too, uh, especially over the Ferguson stuff. But uh, it kind of turned around yesterday, so all the all my anger kind of dissipated. Well, it, it turned around, except for the fact that it still happened. <laughs> um, yes, yes. The um, but the, the you know, for the whole story, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, it was. We still have the, the kid's still dead. Yes. we still have militarized police out the wazoo. Yes, <laughs> but there, but it was there was like a little kumbaya moment last night when like normal people showed up and prevailed <laughs> over yeah. these guys who wanted to be SWAT, you know, their whole life and couldn't get in the real military. So like to play weekend warrior. Yeah, it's it's a little frightening where our police are at in this country right now. I, I think that. Uh, that was one of the the most frightening things that that I've kind of watched in real time. At least you know, knowing this is in our own country, and uh, I remember I was um, I was actually up and I was watching that Ken Burns baseball documentary, which I I've talked about the other week and and love so much. And I'm on the sixth inning now, and <clears throat> would, he broke up the the various episodes and innings, and it, it's all about Jackie Robinson, and you know it was great and. You know, he talked about all the all the uh, hurdles he had to overcome, but then you know it came around to that turnaround moment where where the white players were now supporting Jackie and taking on fans and going, you know, this is just the way it is now. And uh, while I'm watching that, I have my my iPad open and I'm just watching all this the bad bad Ferguson stuff start to stream by on Twitter, and I realize, you know, this is how many years on now from Jackie Robinson, and we're still dealing with this. And I got so angry I, I was just really really mad and i was thinking about the whole you know militarization of the police and that's when i you know for the first time in my life jason you you are a gun owner um i am not and staunchly so and i sat there and go and i was thinking to myself i was like this is the first time in my life i ever thought i'd actually want to have a gun but then i realized that me having a small little pistol when the police roll up in their abrams secondhand tank with their kevlar outfits and their jackboots, uh, my gun isn't going to do crap anyways. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, I, I thought of that too. I mean, this, yes, we have the second amendment to own guns because of, you know, <laughs> the, the possibility of the, the government taking over and, you know, civilian uprising being a thing that it used to be, which it's not anymore, but, yeah. um, I don't. I don't really want to go down that road. <laughs> so yeah, all the stuff that was happening was you know it was kind of hard to wrap your head around watching this happen in real time here in the U.S. <laughs> and there were there was a, there were a couple moments where I almost just grabbed my camera, got in the car, and went down there because it's not that far from here, right? Just to cover because I used to I used to love covering uh, protests. 
And one of the things that I have noticed, if I go back and look at all my protest photos, mm-hmm. you can see the gradual militarization of the <laughs> Chicago, the Chicago police, especially because that's what I, where I used to used to do this stuff. Um, from the stuff in the '90s where I was covering the first Iraq War, yeah, cops looked like cops, right? Yeah. They came in their normal uniforms and basically we were in the crowd. And only when things got kind of out of hand did they call in the horses because we got a lot of horse, horseback riding cops here in Chicago. And those things were terrifying. You get, you're in the middle of a crowd with a horse in front of you. <laughs> you're looking at a horse's ass basically. You know those things can kick and kill you. That was scary. But you know, 10 years on, 15 years on, I did a, covered another Iraq war protest uh, and yeah, different president, same problems. And I swear to God, the horses were in riot gear. Right. I've got a great picture of all these Chicago cop horses lined up, and they've all got like uh, goggles on or like face plates. <laughs> yeah, I'm like are you kidding me? And all of the cops were in you know black fatigues and looked like they were. It was a ridiculous sight. Yeah, and especially especially some of the cops. I should put up some of the pictures just so you can see them with the show notes this week because some of these guys look like they were poured into their their outfits with their guts hanging out. It was pretty fun. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's so, uh it's it's insane. It really is and I hope this does spark some sort of debate about this and maybe we can start, you know the military can take back some of their surplus stuff because uh yeah, police don't need it. This is ridiculous. Now spend it on salaries, don't spend it on crap. <laughs> but the I mean the social media reaction was what really got us talking about this because it was insane. I mean Facebook was basically silent. I mean, it, it didn't even trend over there. There was nothing. Twitter was, on the other hand, my feed was like full of you know ten times as many tweets and photos, and it was just off the hook. Crazy. Yeah, uh, it's the first time that I was actually relatively impressed with Twitter and found myself uh, on it basically just to see what was going on because yeah, there was nothing. On, Facebook was just full of people dumping ice over themselves to do something or other that doesn't do anything. Um, while Ferguson was all over uh, all over Twitter. Hmm. And uh, <laughs> there were a lot of people talking about the well. The first night, it almost didn't trend at all on Twitter, and everybody was wondering, like, "Hey, what's going on here?" Mm-hmm. And the second night, it was just it was everywhere. You couldn't get away from it. So because I was watching, I was basically watching the feeds like just from the moment the kid got shot and it hit the news. So just watching the ramp up was was fascinating because it did take a while. It, it didn't take till really the second night for people to 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 really get you know mainstream coverage, right? And the you know there there are a bunch of articles out now on on the trending side of things and people defending Facebook saying oh well the algorithm isn't you know what whatever <laughs> it's it was kind of a mess and just the 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 Twitter side was fantastic the the news coverage everybody down there I followed a bunch of people that were you know down on the scene and it was really interesting to watch. Yeah, I mean, you did post an article that talked about even Twitter. I guess it wasn't trending for some people and uh, because God knows why, right? I mean. Well, I mean, if you're if you're trending, you you can set the location for your you know your trend line. So if you're in Argentina, you're not going to get you know shit out of Missouri. Mm-hmm. So you know that's kind of the way that works. But if you're in the U.S., it definitely started trending pretty quick. The second night, yeah, yeah, by the second night. So uh, overall, I guess this is a win for social media because this is one of those things that probably wouldn't have really taken off if if there wasn't a Twitter there, right? Yeah, I mean, this was this was our Arab Spring, as it were. <laughs> but watching, you know, what what it really helped was when the journalists got arrested. Yeah, you know that like all that stuff was brought to light super fast because these guys were like, "Oh, I'm getting arrested now." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, 
okay, we're arresting journalists. Great. <laughs> and and the, the video coming out of the guys gassing the Al Jazeera team and taking their cameras, that was crazy. See yeah. that in real time? Yeah, that was pretty insane. So it was uh, it was a spectacle to behold. We'll see what happens if anything uh, better comes out of it, and hopefully they'll they've they've at least released the guy's name now, so we know who the who the shooter was. But the story's coming out now. I'm, I'm watching Twitter's kind of blowing up again this morning because everybody's calling bullshit on the police story. So <laughs> we'll see how this plays out. It'll be interesting, and hopefully there'll be some some actual ramifications for what happened. Because uh, last time I checked, uh, this is not the America I signed up for. Oh, a lot of us, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> oh, are we going to talk about the Robin Williams thing? I suppose we should because that was the uh, other massive trending thing, and this is a uh, uh, not that the internet hasn't blown up over someone's death before, but I thought this one was particularly big and uh, different. <laughs> Usually, when a celebrity dies, I turn off Twitter or Facebook for two days and just let it go, right? You know, because it's just the same thing over and over again. And then you see somebody posting something that has nothing to do with it, like they're completely oblivious to what happened, <laughs> and everybody jumps on them, like, why don't you feel our pain? And, you know, he, I call it the buffer effect, because people have all these tweets buffered to come out later, and then they get, you know, get shit on for it. Yeah, I was, I was actually just kind of sitting here at, at my computer um, when, when the news hit, and, and I got to, I wasn't, I was actually waiting for clients to get back to me, so I was doing fuck all basically, uh, just sitting in front of my computer. So I really watched for like almost two hours just uh, how things spread and how they went across after as soon as the announcement was made. Uh, and I, I made a bullet point list of my instant reactions at the time. So I'll just, I'll just read through some of those because um, I thought it raised some interesting questions. Yeah, like you just mentioned, the buffer effect. Uh, you seem like a total asshole when your entire fill, feed is filled with uh, rest in peace messages and then all of a sudden your post saying, Dear friends, do you have a connection for this random thing I need help with update pops up? Um, that's just uh, – there's the buffer effect and then there's also just being completely and utterly oblivious. Do you not see anything else that's going on when you make your post asking for help? Um, then there, there's the kind of how long do you have to wait after such an event before you can make a somewhat snarky post about it or post something totally unrelated again. Uh, there are a lot of questions about that because people would start to go, okay, can we talk about other things now or is that uncool? Um, when commenting on another celebrity's post regarding a dead celebrity, it is somewhat creepy to discuss how that celebrity's death would be very moving as well. Uh, oh, that is creepy. <laughs> I saw it's very Eric, creepy. Eric Idle was uh, good friends with Robin Williams, and he posted a number of uh, of quick, you know, kind of very heartfelt messages about Robin Williams. And then I was reading through some of the comments, and and somebody was like, uh, "It'd be like losing you." And I was just like, "Oh my god, that that is fucking weird." <laughs> yeah, that is weird. <laughs> uh, but people are stupid out there, so. Um, also, Facebook and other related networks should probably put in some sort of controls in their advertising algorithms so when you post about a dead celebrity, you don't get ads for that celebrity's product because that seems pretty fucking tacky. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of strange. Yeah. And, and I, I went and saw uh, Guardians of the Galaxy again on Tuesday. Right. And there's a, there's a trailer for uh, Night at the Museum 17 or whatever number they're on and Robin Williams is in it. And I'm like, maybe you should have pulled that. It's a little bizarre. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, in this day and age where these things can be kind of automated. Uh, not to do that is is a strange thing. Also, I don't understand the impulse that people have to post a link to the same news story that everybody else is posting with no commentary or feeling or whatsoever. Just a link. Um, why? I, obviously, our feeds are full of this already. If you've got nothing to add to it, do you just need to feel like you belong or something? Or I don't get that. 
Yeah, that happens a lot. That <laughs> happens a lot. And that's why you have to leave for a couple of days because you get the slack, you know, the, uh, the people dragging ass coming in two days later and like, I just saw the news. I'm like, yeah, we know. We know he's dead. Stop it. Shut up. Yeah. Go back to work. <laughs> and speaking of Buffer, mm-hmm. I talked to a, a buddy of mine who uses Buffer a lot to post you know, stuff for his company. And I'm like, you might want to hit pause uh, just for you – know, give it 12 hours before you start pimping your podcast yeah. or whatever the hell it is you're, you're pimping. And uh, there's apparently no pause button on Buffer. So The program is it, called it, Buffer and there's no pause. Nope, no pause. Oh, okay. You can't say stop my campaigns for twenty four hours or whatever. It just they they go out. So <laughs> they uh, might want to add that feature. That would probably saying. be very useful, especially. I mean, as we're seeing just the way that these things play out, it, it would make sense because there's you look like an asshole if you're just an individual and and you kind of break this this thing that happens with uh, your personal requests. And if you're yeah, if you're a company and you're pimping your product, um, you look even worse. Yep. And, you know, like I said, this isn't the first time, obviously, that somebody has died on Twitter. So <laughs> I just remember Steve Jobs. That was that was a real big one, too. Yeah. When 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 he passed, it was like crazy blow up and you just had to go away for a while. So, yeah, this is not not a new thing, but it's not and it's not going away. You know, when somebody famous that people love dies, they, they talk about it. Yes, they do. Quite and a- there's a there was an article. I think it was. uh who was that? Uh, Newsday posted an interesting article. It's a debate: Are we superficial for mourning celebrity deaths? That <laughs> came out. It came out yesterday, but uh, I, I started to go through it. I'll put it in the show notes. You can check it out if you want. But yeah, let's get back to some fun stuff. Okay, you got any? Because I don't. <laughs> well, <laughs> we 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 throw around the word disruption a lot, mm, and yes. well, uh, because Scott- it's shoved down our face. But yeah. Scott Birkin, who's a he's an author and a writer. Well, I guess you got to be a writer to be an author. Helps. <laughs> he's, it helps. He's got a he's got a great uh, post called "Why Jargon Feeds on Lazy Minds," <laughs> and he quote he, he actually quotes a George Orwell piece called uh, "Politics in the English Language," mm-hmm. but it's uh, pretty good. And you know the the rule of thumb is never use a fancy word when a simpler one will do. And he's got a list of words that should be banned. You know, breakthrough, transformative, next gen, game changing, revolutionary, and of course, in the middle of the list, disruptive. Disruptive, so, yes. Well, I'm with him on that one. I'm totally with him on that. And I mean, you and I, this this goes way back in our history, back when we were still uh, young young cowboy coders and working at the same company together. Do you remember the collective moan that we would have every time Wired came out with their new issue and their their buzzwords? Because we knew oh, yeah. there was nothing – we would be hearing these stupid words for the next month from all our salespeople and all the marketers. And um, yeah, I mean this is just uh, – it, it's human nature. I mean we're never going to get rid of it. This is what – if you don't understand something, you will use crazy words that people tell you have something to do with it. Push is a disruptive technology that will kill the web. Oh, yeah. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. Oldie but a goodie. Never happened. Actually, technically it kind of did eventually. Yeah, but it's still more of a it's more of a pole society. Comment of the week. Continuing run of five star ratings on iTunes, so thank you all very much. Uh, we have a, another one with a comment. Keep them coming, people, please. They really do help. Uh, this one's from Will D seventy six. Great gleaning of all the interesting stuff on the internet. They have great takes on internet trends. Just enough rant without going overboard. Well. You may not like this episode because I think this is going to be a lot of ranting. But thank you very much. 
Well, fortunately, you're uh, you're down with the sickness and it is. <laughs> put, put the brakes on, uh, put the kibosh on your ranting. That's true. The fire in my belly is, has transformed to snot in my nose. Oh, lovely. <laughs> thank you for that picture. Anytime. And thank you, Wildy676. Wildy? Wildy. I don't know. Wildy. We'll go with Wildy. Wildy. Thank you again. news <laughs> tmz the the last bastion of real journalism out there oh, God. believe it or not <laughs> i know what are we coming to that's it's, it's surprising how good their journalism actually is but this one kind of has me scratching my head they have released apple iphone 6 pictures uh-huh which i really 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 hope are not pictures of the new iphone 6 because it's ugly it is not it impressive is. at all. I, I opened up this link just a few minutes ago, and if it, it, this almost feels like it's some buffered post from uh, the iPhone 2. It, it looks clunky. It, it looks like an older device. Uh, it's not sexy at all. No, that's, why, that's why I'm very, you know, I, I don't believe it. I, don't, yeah. I cannot believe that they would put this thing out because it's just – it's got these weird white lines on the back. Yeah. It looks – in the front looks like a crappy Android device. I mean it's – it's ugly. Plus, who would put it on such an ugly tea towel? Seriously, come on. <laughs> no, this 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 reeks. I'm not I'm not buying it. And it's got it's got a raised lens. You know, there's a lot of things that point to some of the stuff that I've heard is coming out. But I'm I just hope it's not. It's yeah, ugly. I hope it's not too. And I'm really not not digging it. Not digging it at all. It's bigger. Which is fine. I, I kind of like the bigger stuff, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I hope it's I hope it's fake. So. <laughs> well, we shall find out very soon, right? I mean, what's the release date on this supposed to be? Well, September 9th is the big unveiling, so we don't know when it's coming out after that. But that's when they've got they've booked the room for September 9th. They booked the room. Excellent. Well, so let's go from TMZ to my other favorite journalistic site. Uh, BuzzFeed is apparently worth $850 million. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the site that gives us uh, all the listicles that we ever so much love has uh, gotten another $50 million funding round, um, which basically values it out at around $850 million. Uh, for one of the first times in my life, uh, or in my life, in my life as being a grumpy old geek, I actually don't have a problem with this valuation because I know how popular BuzzFeed is because you cannot get away from it. The amount of money actually makes sense. Um, I just find it depressing because it's BuzzFeed. Uh, and there's a particular quote in, in the article that uh, we have linked in our show notes. Uh, and the near billion dollar valuation makes each of its 550 employees worth about three times that of a staffer of the New York Times. This is our journalism, folks. <laughs> I don't I don't get it. I don't go to BuzzFeed. The big Facebook purge fortunately got rid of almost every BuzzFeed article that <laughs> came through. Nobody's posting that stuff anymore. Right. And you know, I unfollowed people generally who do post that stuff. So I don't see I barely see anything from them anymore, which is fine by me. Right. <laughs> totally fine by me. Well, we'll see what happens to it. I mean, it's still I still see quite a bit. You might have you might have blocked uh, BuzzFeed articles or something, but I still see quite a few. And uh, you know, I have I have wasted an hour clicking through BuzzFeed and finding some things that were actually genuinely funny. Um, 
But let's go on to article number two that I found about BuzzFeed. <laughs> um, this is another article. Um, they have been quietly deleting thousands upon thousands of their own listicles and posts because they finally realized that if they're going to be almost a billion-dollar company, they can't be plagiarizing and stealing content from the rest of the world. Yeah, because they used to have like spiders and algorithms that would go out and pull other stuff and make you know uh, their crap out of it. Yeah, basically, they're they're a little uh, automated crap factory, so they're killing all the old stuff. Well, and, and, and even the authors would just grab photos from the web, uh, not not give any um, you know credit for the photos, and just put them in their articles. They they were basically the leader of just if we find it on the internet, it must be free. Yeah, yeah. I was I've been waiting for people to sue the hell out of them for that. So hopefully those are the posts that they've gotten rid of because yeah, they their mass market theft of imagery is just mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, it's I, always... I check to see if they I keep checking to see if they still want to mine because I hope they do. Please steal one of my photos. I I will sue you into the ground. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what happens with with BuzzFeed because, you know, between them having to remove a lot of their content because it's all stolen, and and the fact that you seem to think that they're just kind of disappearing, maybe they're not going to be worth that much money anymore, which would be lovely. So Comcast is back in the news. <laughs> yes, An- another call has surfaced, and I have a feeling this is going to be continue. I mean, anybody that's even vaguely kind of a journalist anymore, if they've got to call Comcast or Time Warner Cable now, you got to know that they're calling with Skype and recording the call, just hoping that it's going to be horrible now. You don't have to wait too long for one of those. No, you don't. That's pretty much all of them. So this is this is a good one. Um, I listened to it, and I actually felt my blood pressure rising. Yeah, I, I didn't listen to it, so I'm glad you did. What did it say? Uh, it's just your standard, um, you know, it, it's your standard double speak. It's your, why can't we do that? And then, you know, well, we can't do that. And then they refunded money, but then they didn't refund money. Then it's not a valid charge, but it is a valid charge. But first you said, but Hey, you said a, and now you're saying B what happened to a, it's just the standard. And yeah. <laughs> it's just so frustrating. You know, it's, it's, we're going to charge you for this. We're not going to charge you for this. Well, then why'd you charge me for it? Oh, you charged me twice for it now. Well, we'll take off one of the charges, but you charged me twice. So I still have the one chart, you know, that, yeah. <laughs> that whole thing that we all deal with now every single day, because, you know, all these computers and everything are going to make customer service so much better, quicker, faster, and easier. Pebcac. It's always Pebcac. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Matt Honan, who was uh, – we covered him a long time ago. He was the journalist that got hacked. Yeah. Remember him mm-hmm. from Wired? Mm-hmm. And he's got a new post that's been making the rounds that was uh, – it's called, I liked everything I saw on Facebook for Tuesday, two days. Here's what it did to me. <laughs> now, it, this is it's an interesting piece to see, you know, what kind of happens when that happens. You know, you you like everything, so – it basically turned his feed into uh, uh, companies. Companies just pimping stuff. That's yeah. what it kind of turned into, which makes sense. And, you it, know, the algorithm sees that you like clicking on stuff from companies, so they're going to give you more company stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was not surprised by that at all. Uh, again, depressed, but not surprised. But that is a lot of Facebook. And you know, if you choose to do the opposite of what I do, which is I usually try to block anything that's corporate, um, and you decide to like it, of course, your feed is going to be full of that. And you won't see any of your friend's personal stuff anymore. 
And I think it's interesting that he kept getting complaints from his friends because all they see in their in their sidebar is Matt like this, Matt like this, <laughs> Matt like this. It's like, oh yeah, be able yeah. to turn that off. I was a little disappointed by the article just because when I saw the title, I was thinking it was going to be something completely different, which is my own fault. Uh, he talked specifically just about what happened to his feed. I thought this might be more of a, and this is what happened to me and how it like affected my life and here's my emotions about it um i I think that would be an interesting thing well it's what it says in the title so it's kind of uh it says here's what it did to me and it's more about here's what it did to to my feed my feed which who cares exactly yeah but it was making the round so i thought i'd bring it up well there it is so don't like everything on facebook i like nothing on facebook especially (laughs) facebook so now Going back to the Ferguson thing and the cops run rampant, for years it's always been a problem for photographers who like to take pictures of cops doing their job yeah. or not doing their job as as it were. Yeah. And it is it is completely legal to do so. Mm-hmm. But if I mean cops will tell you don't take my picture, it's illegal and sometimes they'll take the camera, they'll take your phone, they'll take your memory card. And, you know, I got to say kudos to the New York Police Department because they sent out a memo to all of their officers saying this is legal. Stop <laughs> it. Which every – this I mean this should be in every police department. But, yes. you know, uh, it is what it is. But, you know, at least, you know, if the NYPD is doing it, then hopefully other cities will get on board because I, I've got like a uh, – was a bill of photographer's rights that I carry in my camera bag. And basically, if anybody tells me to stop taking pictures and I hand them that. Right. So I, I got to dig that up. I'll put links in the show notes to that because basically you just print off a few of them and keep them in your camera bag. And anytime anybody hassles you, you give them that and say, look, no, this is legal. I am in, I'm in public property. You are in public property. And I'm doing my thing. Yeah. Now, there, in San Francisco, there was an interesting thing because when you're on the sidewalks in San Francisco, like downtown mm-hmm. – those those sidewalks are actually private property owned by the building and given leeway to the city. So technically, there are times when you can get kicked out of a place, even if you're in front of a public building, you know, taking pictures, security will come out and boot you. And it's kind of a gray area as far as uh, the law goes there. Right. But, but, e- but even then, it's not it's not the police's prerogative. It's the owner of the building. And the right. Building. Yeah, it's, it's so. the building security. So rather shockingly that the that NYPD would do this. So kudos to them because uh, they're the ones that seem to get the most hot water all the time. So congratulations, NYPD. Round of, uh, yep. round of applause. Um, I do remember I, I, there was a study that just came out relatively recently because um, – uh, this this just makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, there was some police department somewhere. I'm going to have to Google this and try to find the. the I'm just winging it. There was a police department somewhere here in the U.S. where that uh, basically put the equivalent of GoPro cameras on all their police officers, and shockingly, abuse shot down. Like yep. it just immediately because they knew everything was being taped. Everybody was on better behavior, which is a bit frightening and Orwellian. But uh, for the police that are, as we talked about, driving around in Abrams tanks these days, I think it's a good idea. No, every I mean, you, a lot of the cars have dash cams. Yeah, a lot of and a lot of cops basically have body cameras on them now, mm-hmm. and that's great. I'm all for it. I'm all you for know? it as well. Accountability across the board. Yeah. If I can take pictures of them, they can take pictures of me. A okay, I got no problem with that now. <laughs> The I, I won't go into the surveillance camera angle, but you know <laughs> it's, it's a little bit different. But yeah, I'm all, I'm I'm all for it. 
Yeah, I agree. So let's go a little bit more lighthearted for the last news article that uh, we found for the week because I love this. I, I love this article so much. Uh, apparently. <laughs> Lyft and Uber are in a battle for supremacy right now, obviously. And uh, Lyft has just accused Uber of ordering and canceling over 5,000 Lyft rides. Just to fuck that with is, them. That is so awesome. <laughs> um, out of the two, I suppose I, I'm on Team Uber, unless they're actually doing this. Um, but I'm against all of them because for obvious reasons that I've talked about a thousand times on this uh, on this very program. See, I still love my Uber, but I, I think this is funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just funny. And uh, Uber's opening up an API soon, so you know they're going to get it back at them. So we'll see how, how this plays out, but I don't know. I thought it was funny. Yeah, I saw that news about the API too, and I, I think that's actually kind of a no-brainer. It's going to do them very well. I mean you'll basically be able to build in a get a lift um, from Uber button into your apps and, and other things. So very cool. Yep. See how well it works. Go Uber. <laughs> Security. Ha. Wired's next article is going to have a big cover story on Snowden. <laughs> and fortunately for us, they've put the entire thing online. Yay. It's very long. It's extremely long. <laughs> I've gotten about two pages in so far. Uh, you, I think you're a bit further than me. Uh, this is going to be a big deal because this uh, they even talked about it on the Today Show. They're, of course, they didn't actually get into the article or anything interesting. They just talked about the fact that he's draped in an American flag. Yeah, yeah. I, the interview is done by James Bamford, who I've actually talked about on the show before because he's written a couple books on the NSA, which I've read and reviewed. And the books are really good and he's interesting. And the piece so far is interesting. Uh, there's a cool video about the photo shoot too mm -hmm. that, I, that I really quite enjoyed. And man, the good photos, very good photos. Uh, the, the big problem with the article is it's one of those crazy parallax scrolling jobbies with all sorts of – you know, effects and all that crap. I'm like, God, just give me the text. <laughs> it is a little, I, 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 as, as a geek and as a web designer, I kind of like how they did this and it'd be great for some corporate bullshit. That's uh yeah, rah, rah, rawing a very small amount of content, but considering the large amount of actual content here, yes, it would have been nice. if It was just an article. <laughs> I wonder if there's a print print version button we can get. Uh, anyway, check it out. It's, uh, it's interesting. As far as I've gotten, because it, you know, it's very long, and yeah. there's only so many hours in the week. Well, it doesn't. So. It, there's there's nothing new in here. It's just a really good kind of write up of him and what he's trying to do and his background and all that sort of stuff. But uh, you know, it's it's more Ghost Snowden for me. I'm I'm really coming around to this guy. Yeah, it's got a lot of his background, which I which I actually find interesting. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. So check it out. Now, getting back to some more security stuff, uh, this is a little bit older, but I just wanted to kind of cover it so we can kind of uh, kick this one in the nuts. Uh, there was a flaw called bad USB. Bad. Was bad, bad USB. USB. And it, basically there was a Wired article that says why the security of USB is fundamentally broken, uh, you know, critical flaw, all this other stuff. And it's you know, it comes out of some researchers who say – I can basically rewrite the driver flash ROM on a USB stick to have a hidden payload of bad stuff that your antivirus or any scanning is completely never going to see. Yeah. Well, Shocking. in the wired in the wired article, 
Fortunately, fortunately for you, I went and read the comments, which, you know, I should get hazard pay. Yeah. Um, so there's a guy in there, uh, his, his, his uh, handle is clandestine moniker. Mm. <laughs> okay. And what he's talking about, he, he worked on USB stuff mm. and sticks and memory and all that stuff. And he's like, most of the time, you can't rewrite that because it's not, it's not flashable ROM. It, they hardwire that stuff in yeah. at the factory because – I mean, the margins are super thin on memory sticks. So they try and, you know, cut every penny off of the cost of making them. And to do that, they basically, you know, hardwire the software onto the chip. You can't go back in and rewrite it. And that's from almost all USB sticks. Yeah. So, yes, it's, you know, it does exist on some sticks. There's a small amount of sticks out there that this could actually be done to. But, again, this is another one of those things where, like, uh, if somebody – why would you stick something onto your computer from somebody you didn't trust? They'd actually have to get physical hold of this. They'd have to do something to it, then give it to you. I don't take people's fast drives that I don't know and just jam them into my computer. Well, the I mean, the other thing that they talked about is that once one is compromised, mm-hmm. you can stick it in, and then it will basically own your system with the software. So the next time a stick comes in, right. it can it can be owned as well without anybody knowing it. So it, you know, it can get passed along the chain. Yeah. But for the most part, it's only yeah, it's only for things that are um, you know have writable flash memory yeah. for the for the USB OS. And it, I mean, it, this this guy's comments were really smart, and he basically says yes for a very small subset of devices. This po- it can possibly be done, yeah. but let's not you know let's not burn everything to the ground right now. No throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. So this is one of those ones that was basically overblown by the press. And it's still, you know, it's in the research stage. It's not out in the wild. These kids came up with, you know, the research and have proven that they can do it. But I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not worried about this one. So you shouldn't be either. I agree. And finally, we have another uh, article that maybe, uh, you'll have to tell me, Jason, maybe about the same thing. Uh, The Internet's Vulnerable Backbone, How Cyber Criminals Hijack the Web's Architecture to Mine Bitcoins. This is an article that is uh, talking about BGP, which, Jason, why don't you take it away and explain what that is? Oh, God. Uh. (laughs) Never mind. It's Border Gateway Protocol. It's basically the way that various networks actually exchange information with each other because it's not one – there isn't one big pipe that's running around the place that has been gifted by God. It's a bunch of companies that actually own these things and they have to talk to each other in order for us all to play well with each other and pass around BuzzFeed links. Yeah. I mean it's it's a protocol for exchanging and routing info and this hack basically took over – uh, a lot of Bitcoin mining in very small chunks that added up over time. It was a very clever hack. It's it's very but, uh, office space. It's it's a you know a quarter of a penny here, a quarter of a penny there that builds up. <laughs> uh, I think I, wasn't it Superman two that really kind of did think, that. Not, yeah, I think they did that as well. But they definitely did it in office space. That was that was the plot that um, well, it, on it, which it, all the good jokes hung. <laughs> exactly, but they also reference Superman two as. Right. The you know the okay. source, All right. Richard Pryor, the hacker, from <laughs> Superman too. But anyway, yeah. But they still don't know how this guy did it because I mean, he had to have access to a. It, this came out of a Canadian ISP, mm-hmm. and you know Fuck. they're still trying to figure that out. But it was basically you know getting into the router and moving in in moving some the bits around. And, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, he, he uh, must have had some kind of high-level access that typically people don't get to, which is uh, – we call that insider crime, and that's hard to stop. Yeah, now the big thing is, is this BGP hacking? 
like you know something that is very bad and it's an old it's an old vulnerability that people have known about yeah. and you know there are there are hackers out there that have claimed that they can take down the internet very easily because of these flaws in BGP they haven't internet's <laughs> still here yep um you know if they do take it down well then I'll go outside and you know play with the dog I'm not going to not going to really worry about this one the the sky is not falling yet again wow look at us for security we got a bunch of things that don't really matter. <laughs> Nothing to be scared about this week, folks. Well, you know, why let it ruin your day when you don't have to? There's nothing you can do about it. That is true. Be more scared about your local police. <laughs> so we came up with the title for this segment, Knowing is Half the Battle. Yo, so, Joe. Instead of stealing from <laughs> Harry Potter, we're stealing from G.I. Joe. I love those cartoons when I was a kid. I love the fake PSAs that came out a couple of years ago. Those were awesome. Yeah, those were really good. We should actually find those. We'll try to get those in the show notes too. All right. Go ahead for it, Jason. One, I'll leave, yeah, I'll leave that one up to you. <laughs> okay. So the whole point of this segment is to give you some tools to combat online marketing. Like when you are being marketed to and you don't know it. So on – this is episode one, really. The other one was kind of the intro episode. Um, I want to talk about what a, what is a landing page today. Okay. You see them all the time, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna give you some skinny here. Okay. You ready? Okay. I, I'm ready, Jason. I actually built some landing pages, so I might talk about how they're not always bad, but they are trying to sell <laughs> you something. <laughs> yeah, landing pages are pages on a website. Mm -hmm. Duh. Uh, they're basically designed to get you to part with personal information, just like your name and address. And they use different incentives to get you to fill out a form, like a downloadable PDF or maybe newsletter content, coupons, discounts. You know, it's just another ad, but it's interactive. Cue the air quotes there. Yeah, it's not only that. It's it's. Uh, I've seen this on Facebook with some of the kind of more nefarious, like Buzzfeedy type sites, where if you want to see that video that you're never going to fucking believe, you got to put in your email address first. Yep. Yeah. And you say, why do they want my personal info? You know, I'm already on their website. It, it doesn't make any sense. Why do they want it? Well, it, you know, in the past decade, it's been harder and harder to sell somebody on a product on the first visit to a site. And since it's getting even harder to get them back for another visit, people want to get their hooks into you as, as quickly as possible and be able to email you in the future. It extends the time they have to sell you on their, you know, whatever it is that they're selling, their widget, we'll mm -hmm. call it. And if you pony up your email address, you're entered then into like this insanely complicated dance of email marketing. With it, they use fun terms like orbit and funnel. <laughs> so – uh, I, I would actually say, I mean, this is a, a number of sites that we've even talked about that we like um, in our segments have used these these things. Uh, a lot of the uh, kind of higher end furniture or widgets or stuff like that. You can't even look at their catalog unless you give them your email address. Yeah, and I'm stuck getting emails from all the crap that you've passed along. <laughs> so <laughs> I finally uh, I've backed out of all those. You can actually get out of their marketing list. It, it takes some effort, but uh, you can. <laughs> well, fortunately, we have uh, unsubscribe laws now, yes, which which really help. So, an orbit. Now, this is this is a fun one. Okay, an orbit is the path of emails that you're entered into when like certain criteria are met, like how many pages you viewed on the site or where you entered the site from. Did you come in from a search engine or did you come in like from a partner link? And have you been browsing the site for a while or is this your first page? They mm. they track all of that stuff. And that kind of determines which orbit you're placed in. 
because they know if you're if you've been on the site for a while, you're more interested in the kind of stuff that they have to sell, so they know that you're more familiar with their product. But if you're like a first time visitor, then they will craft the messages to be more uh, educational to right. teach you more about their product. You know, smart. Yeah, and those emails are crafted specifically for your use case, which gives them the best chance of you spreading your wallet. <laughs> Now the funnel, the funnel is is generally it's a general sales term. Like, you know, it it's kind of a graph from the participant numbers from the, the lead acquisition stage to sale to repeat sale. Mm-hmm. And it's it's called a funnel because at every stage people drop out and there are fewer and fewer people leading up to the sale. Right. And it kind of looks like a funnel. Gotcha. And it kind of kind of makes you feel like you're being herded like cattle down the down the path. <laughs> so <laughs> And these landing pages have been engineered over many years using a lot of different techniques to get you to do something without you even realizing it. That's that's the tricky part, and that's you know why I wanted to do this segment. Okay. Now they design these landing pages to be you know very visually pleasing, but offer very little in the way of interaction besides reading their pitch and putting in your email. Yeah, or, or and, blocking you, know, you from seeing anything else unless you give them information. Yeah, they take away like the site nav. They give you very little choice but to scroll to the bottom of the page and give up the goods. And they, they'll use like contrast to pull your eyes to the CTA or uh, call to action as they say in the lingo. <laughs> um, directional cues like arrows and different design elements to segregate different content to draw your eye where they want you to go. Mm-hmm. And one of, the, one of the really fun ones is they will put pictures of people – in the ads, looking at something, which is what they want you to look at, you know, there's small and subtle cues that kind of manipulate your brain into taking action. And they've all been, te- like I said, they've all been tested to hell to create this like witch's brew of psychological trickery to get you to give them your email address. <laughs> I'm going to put an, I'm going to put a video in the show notes on, uh, it's called dyectic gazing and it's from, uh, what's it called? Uh, brain Jeez. tools or brain quiz. Right. Oh, it, it's a great show on National Geographic. Okay. But what it, what it says is we are hardwired. When we see somebody looking at something, we look at it too. Yeah, we, we follow know? the eyes. Yeah. So now if, if you know – if you get to one of these pages and you know you're being manipulated, the magic kind of disappears. Yeah. And you can make better decisions on if you want to give them your info or not. You know, if it's a product you're genuinely interested in and you go into it with your eyes wide open, then everybody wins, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm telling you this stuff for when you get to a page and you, you're you not that interested and you still find yourself wanting to put your email address in. Now you know why. Or, you know, these guys are manipulating you. Or maybe you've had a few beers and your brain isn't firing on all frequencies. That's true. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're – are studies that show that the longer the page, the more you are – you're basically worn down by the end and you're like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to put my email address in just to get out of here. <laughs> uh, I mean seriously though, ask yourself, do you really need uh, that PDF on 10 tips to earn money online today? You know, and These are the sites that the, the infinite scroller was, was basically made for. There's a lot of that on these. Anytime that you find yourself scrolling down and down and down and down and it keeps going and there's pretty pictures, you're in trouble. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, at its core, most of this stuff is, you know, it's a giant pyramid scheme. People selling information usually aren't even the original creators. They're, they're, they're like standing on the shoulders of giant douchebags of the past <laughs> who have who have sold them information on how to sell you information. Yeah. And it just goes round and round and round. And this, there's this whole new crew of internet marketers out there who are just, you know, masters at trying to get you 
into their system to sell you something later. And like I mentioned on the on the intro to the show a couple episodes ago, you know, they'll give away 99% of everything already for free and then have you pay a huge amount of money just to get that extra 1%. Which so really isn't just, very useful most of the time. No, you can basically find everything on Google anyway because that's where they got it from. <laughs> so just, you know, next time you're at a page where somebody is asking for your email address, just, you know, think about these principles and say, look, I just, you know, take a step back and say, do I really want to get into this dance with these people? That's it. That's it. All right. I mean, that makes total sense. Uh, just to be fair to landing pages in general, this is a this is a certain type of site that, that does this. Landing pages are actually very useful for the rest of us in, in various different ways, being mostly the fact that absolutely nobody reads on the internet anymore. Um, I work for a lot of artists, and, and they occasionally have new products. And, you know, 10 years ago, everybody would know that a new product is coming out for someone, and now people don't. So landing pages in, in my world are always the first, like, hey, idiot, there's something new. You came here. You like this artist. Look. <laughs> so we're not necessarily nefarious. And I, when I build landing pages for, for my clients, I never require taking any personal information or anything like that. We assume you're a fan because you're coming to our site anyways. We're just trying to make sure that you absolutely know 100% for sure that this great new product is out. So yeah, it, I mean, they, it's ha, useful they do have for their getting, place. Yeah, they have their place. They're useful for getting eyeballs on new information because nobody really researches or dives in anymore. So... Uh, yeah, I would say if you see a landing page where they're requiring information to be given to see anything else, which I never do, um, be wary and make sure that you actually really are interested in this and want the information because it is hard to get out of a mailing list even with the laws these days. Yeah, because a lot of times these guys don't go by uh, the rules. Exactly. And they could be selling your email address to other people. So, you know, be careful. It could be. I think it's almost a guarantee for these kind of these kind of people because that's a that's a whole another revenue stream for them. They're definitely selling yep. the list. Absolutely. At the library, I finally made my way through Oryx and Crake, which is a book I read ages upon ages ago by uh, Margaret Atwood. Um, vaguely semi-apocalyptic fiction. It was fucking fantastic. Um, really, really, really good. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. Um, I can't wait to get on with it now that I know that there are two follow-ups uh, and I've already gotten the second one, which brings me to a little bit of disappointment, but I'm only I'm only 25% of the way into the follow-up, which is called The Year of the Flood. Um, she left Oryx and Crake on just basically the biggest cliffhanger ever. And uh, book number two, completely new characters, completely new setting, not even sure where in the timeline of the first book this is happening. But I'm assuming she's going to get there because uh, by all accounts online, this is a fantastic trilogy of books. Um, really, really highly recommend it. it. It's it's good. It's good stuff. It's very plausible. And uh, she's an amazing writer that doesn't just do science fiction. So she really brings those skills to the genre. Cool. Yeah. I'll check it out. I'm going through uh, your recommendation from uh, – previous episodes uh the long mars yeah which is you know the third in that series and so far it's pretty damn good I gotta yeah say. yeah i thought the i kind of agreed with you that the second one was a little meh on, uh, mm -hmm. on that series but uh, the third one really picked it up for me and, and i really enjoyed that as well so some really great books out there right now 
No, definitely. And uh, hopefully I'll have a few more next week. They're in the queue, but this was a rough week, so <laughs> didn't get I didn't have my epic reading week like I did last time. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. So I'm still slogging through the baseball doc. So uh reading has been a, a bit of a bit of a luxury. So uh but uh yeah, I could not uh I couldn't stop reading Oryx and Crake and I can't believe I completely forgot about that book like ten years ago when it came out and uh really happy to have rediscovered it. Good stuff. I will have to see if it's on Audible. I got a little disappointed when we were talking about apps uh, in a previous episode, how most of the stuff we've reviewed, are you playing with an app right now? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Save it for your segment. Let me get to mine here. Okay. I was, uh, I'm just saying, I was, you know, a little disheartened by the fact that 99% of the stuff that we've reviewed, we don't even have on our phones anymore. This is true. So I was. I was looking for more stuff that would be kind of uh, evergreen, which is kind of silly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're stretching for this joke. Go for it. <laughs> I, no, I, I lost it there. Uh, this week I'm checking out Sit or Squat, the restroom finder by uh, Procter & Gamble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's basically a place that lets you know where there's a nice place to take a dump. <laughs> wow. And, <laughs> yeah, okay. Enough enough with you and your your thing there. Okay. You can get right. to it. Um and the sitter squat is, you know, do you actually want to sit down or you gotta, you know, hover, as it were. Okay. And so far it's pretty good. It it I checked it out. There's, you know, there's stuff. Uh, people have uh, this is I assume people can submit and, and they do ratings and whatnot and, and people are using this app? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So in the you know, in the suburbs it's not as big a deal, but if you're in the city and walking around and you got to go, it it could be a lifesaver. Right. I, <laughs> I, I do want to point out one slight possible potential flaw with, with this app in the fact that uh, um, ratings, say, from a month ago – well, let's face it. A, a toilet can be destroyed within the space of five minutes. Yes. So how up-to-date is this information? <laughs> uh, you know, it's a general guideline. Let's just put it that way. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Now, they've got a sister website that you can use, but you have to go, A, first you go through uh, age verification, which I'm like, okay. To poo? I think we all come, I think we all come out of the womb uh, ready to go. So <laughs> I don't know why you need age verification, or at least I didn't at the beginning. And then I say, oh, well, because you have to use Facebook to connect with it. Oh, uh, right. Yes. Okay. I'm like, okay, no, I got to go <laughs> now. Don't. <laughs> And the the Facebook verification page is all screwed up. They've got their terms of service say one thing, the buttons say another. Yeah, it's it is terrible. So okay. get the app; it's free. Get the app. I just find I think it's funny that it, it comes from a company that makes TP. You know, oh, it's target market. <laughs> they're Indeed, th- they're, they're thinking about their product or hoping that some will be there. Anyways, uh, rather improbably, I, I I bought an app. Um, hey man, sup? Yeah, it's the Bald Brian app. As you well all know, that I listen to Adam Carolla, and uh, he's got uh, he's the drop man on the show, and he's very good at it. Uh, he has an app out one ninety nine and worth every single penny um, because I can't stop playing with it. It's got a ton of the drops that he uses on the show. Uh, I'm going to try it out this uh, my Sunday fun day and see if I can get through the whole day without talking at all and just using drops. Um, he has not updated it. Uh, I don't see that he probably will which is unfortunate because he's got a ton more drops so if he keeps this going i'm going to be really happy with it and uh yeah it's only funny or interesting if you listen to corolla but if you do it, it, this is it, it's a gold mine 
So you are going to spend an entire day with just trying to use a $1.99 app for all of your interhuman communication. Do you not like your friends? <laughs> see, I got a laugh already, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to see how it goes. I, I'm sure it won't last more than an hour, but it'll be fun. I expect you to come back next week with a black eye. Okay. <laughs> hey, I bought an app, man. Yeah, good for you. Welcome, welcome to 1996. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Media Candy. In continuing with themes of vast improbability, such as me buying an app, I have a podcast that I listen to that I'm going to review now. This is normally Jason's domain, but uh, I was a little bit bored. Uh, again, talking about Corolla and uh, Bald Brian. Uh, they are on a bit of a vacation this week, so there are not as many podcasts, and they're not as long as they used to be. And I've been chained to my desk. Uh, doing a lot of crappy work, so I needed things to listen to. Uh, Bald Brian from The Corolla Show does his own podcast called The Film Vault. Uh, he does it with this guy, Anderson, that is also vaguely connected to that whole um, area. Uh, interestingly enough, they left the, the Corolla Podcast Network, and the first uh, Film Vault that I chose to listen to talked to... Uh, they, they actually referenced the fact that they left because Corolla is a despot that takes all the money. So, interesting. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So that now, was, wait, wait. Uh, before, you, be- mm-hmm. before you continue here, yes. n- last week, didn't you say that you were going to stop listening to podcasts for a while and just listen to music? Yeah. I, then I discovered that I'm so far behind in music and I had so many things that uh, new things that I really wanted to listen to and actually listen to, listen to, um, that I couldn't do it while I was working. Uh, so I went back to podcasts for work and I've been doing music for uh, when I'm not working, bike rides, et cetera, et cetera. So okay. a- anyways, I just gave this podcast a shot. I'm not going to be a continuing listener to it because I made some discoveries about myself while while trying to slog my way through one of these episodes. Uh, one, I'm just really not a big film guy. Therefore, I'm not a really big film podcast guy. Um, does it have legs on the Grumpy Old Geeks Network? Accepted, of course. I always listen to that. <laughs> uh, number two, being a film buff does not necessarily make you a qualified reviewer. Uh, Bald Brian, I, I really like him as the drop guy on Corolla, but uh, his opinions about film mean next to nothing, and uh, they show when you listen to the podcast. And number three, the things I find annoying about Bald Brian on the Corolla podcast are only amplified when he has his own, and there are no drops, damn it. See, that makes no sense. Why would you not have any drops? <laughs> Probably because they're owned by the Corolla network, and he is doing it off the Corolla network. <laughs> Good point. But even on Does It Have Legs, we you know we have drops in there from the films that we're reviewing. Yeah, they don't really do that either. They just get together and they talk about movies. And uh, you know, I I love some film criticism if they actually have something interesting to say. Do I want to listen to two guys sitting around at a bar talking about movies? No. So there you okay. go. Not a big fan. Well. On the film side, uh, check out Does It Have Legs if you are interested in film because we, we just uh, put out a new episode yesterday for Grease. It is the word. Have you heard? I love that movie. I like Grease too. Get the fuck off my podcast. Uh, I'm sure that doesn't have any legs, but uh, it came out at the right time for me, and I, I remember being a big fan of it. <laughs> you are definitely not a film guy. <laughs> no, I, I that was number one up above. <laughs> Moron of the Week. One of the other things that happened pretty much immediately after the news of uh, Robin Williams passing hit the internet, uh, it, Jason and I actually hopped on online and, and started to chat with each other a little bit about what we wanted to do in terms of talking about it uh, on the podcast, because obviously Robin Williams is, is pretty huge for, for everybody in our generation. Um, 
and we made a little bet. Uh, we <laughs> we decided to bet uh, and try to predict which right wing nut job was going to make some horrible horrible article or faux pas talking about depression first. Um, let's see who. Let's see. You, did you went? Uh, yeah, Jason went twenty dollars saying it would be Ann Coulter. Uh, I bet put my twenty bucks on Palin because she's trying to promote her hideous pay site, uh, which we're not going to talk about on this show unless I find a really good clip of her. Uh, <laughs> we ended up being both wrong. The moron of the week goes to Fox News host Shepard Smith, who decided to go on air and call Robin Williams such a coward within about five minutes of the news coming out. Good job. Yep. Buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for making me lose my 20 bucks. <laughs> well, I, uh, it's a push. Neither of us won. So I, I guess we both get to keep our own 20 bucks. But uh, you're, yes. yeah, he's since apologized. So let's give him fair credit for that. But uh, it was a boneheaded move. Um, we, we're not even going to get into depression and suicide and all of that sort of stuff. But it was, if nothing else, highly insensitive and very stupid to do right away. Um, yep. But good job on apologizing. Somebody who has not apologized never will, so we're going to have a special runner-up prize. That goes to Rush Limbaugh, who decided to come out with a crazy theory that Robin Williams killed himself because leftists, leftists are never happy. Uh, this leftist is pretty happy most of the time. How about you? Nah, no. Okay. <laughs> but, well, but we, I, we got a split. <laughs> I just ate Rush Limbaugh, so I'll yeah. say yes, just just because just I'm, pin, I'm yeah. happy as can be. Yeah, and then we have a special runner, 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 runner up prize for Robert Scoble, who we've laughed at before on this podcast. He's a celebrity only in his own mind. Um, there's a BuzzFeed link, rather conveniently, in our show notes. Uh, this is a masterclass in how to win a Twitter fight. Uh, he got in a Twitter fight with some people, and basically. This is worth a quick skim over because it's funny and it people are stupid. <laughs> it made it definitely made me chuckle. It's worth a read. Yeah, it, it, it's funny and Scoble just get go away. <laughs> it's never going to happen, unfortunately. I know. I can just you know it's like at the end of it, I can just see him taking off his his Google Glass and dropping it like dropping the mic and walking off stage. <laughs> <laughs> totally. That'll make more sense when you read it. Trust me. Yeah, go take a look at it. It's quite funny, and uh, it just as much as I said I liked Twitter earlier because of the whole Ferguson thing. This this BuzzFeed article basically illustrates in a nutshell exactly uh, why I don't like Twitter at all most of the time. Well, just don't follow Scoble. That's true. Oh, and I also had a, a another actual uh, morons of the week. Um, I totally forgot about this one, and this is one of the things that actually super massively pissed me off. Uh, I, morons of the week to all the fucking Twitter trolls that are out there that actually drove Robin Williams' daughter off of social media because I don't even know why. Why are you going to go attack his daughter after something like this happens? You people are scum. Yeah, there's a special place in hell for people like that. Mm-hmm. The web's not dead. Speaking of Twitter, <laughs> I I found a Twitter account that has just made me laugh my ass off every day. Okay. This is InfoSec Taylor Swift. So <laughs> she's like, hello, new people. I'm Taylor Swift, and I have moved to working in computer se- computer security. I cry a lot more now. <laughs> <And> <laughs> And you have great tweets like, what kind of asshole makes a folder with a space in the name? Which, for me, it's, it's, that's yeah, pretty damn good. If you're old school, that's very funny. And uh, whoever's doing this, they, they make tons of infographics with pictures of Taylor Swift and just some great 
great bits like uh, mouths are how we communicate. So kissing is kind of like rubbing two Ethernet ports together. <laughs> yeah, I started following this after you put it up and I, I've had a good chuckle every day as well. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. It, it puts a smile on my face. So join in. Closing shout outs. There's no other way to end this than to give a massive shout out to Robin Williams, uh, Nanu Nanu. Uh, this week I, I went back and watched uh, Good Morning Vietnam and uh, then I watched The Fisher King the next night. Um, some of the funniest, best movies ever made. Um, absolutely amazing. I highly recommend if you haven't seen them in ages or if you've never seen them, uh, go watch them immediately. Good Morning Vietnam is is hilarious and poignant and The Fisher King is disturbing and I can't even believe it ever got made, but it's so, so good. Yeah, I haven't seen either one of those in a long, long time. I got to say though, my favorite Robin Williams movie was What Dreams May Come, which is, you know, very kind of relevant with the with what happened to him in the story in the movie and yeah. I won't get into that, but I love that movie. It was it was a classic old one that wasn't in his normal vein. It's a very serious movie. But I dig that one. <laughs> so and I do want to do a last shout out to Does It Have Legs because we've been finally back on track. We've got new episodes up. We've got new episodes in the can. So check it out if you like guys talking about movies, which Brian doesn't. So <laughs> And uh, I've got a new solo show coming out next week called Good Morning Internet. And the first episode talks about why I did not steal the name from Good Morning Vietnam. Okay. (laughs) Awesome, man. I'm glad you're going to finally do that. I will be listening. Yep. Once iTunes – it's it's sent off to iTunes and once they give me the go-ahead, we'll put the link in the show notes and uh, look for new episodes on that starting next week, probably three times a week. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. I might be uh-huh. guesting on that every now and then. Probably not does uh- it have legs, unless you guys do some movie that I really need to talk about. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but you're welcome on Good Morning Internet any day of the week. All right. I'm actually doing that it. You're actually going to do it. <laughs> Excellent. All right, man. See right. you next week. See you next week. Hopefully we will both not be sick anymore at that point as well. So uh, apologies for the low energy levels. Mm. I need some drugs. Go for it. Music for the Grumpy Old Geeks is by Among Us. Uh, check them out on uh, iTunes and other places as well. We are hosted by Libsyn. Use the coupon code GOG while signing up and receive up to two months free. Keep up with us at GrumpyOldGeeks.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GrumpyOldGeeks, on Twitter we're at Twitter.com slash GOG Podcasts, or simply email us at podcast at GrumpyOldGeeks.com. Show notes for this episode can be found at GrumpyOldGeeks.com slash 71. Shazbot. We're driving to Florida!